Welcome tonight to our Wednesday night Bible study. I'm so glad that each and every one of you have come to be a part of these services tonight. Let me tell you what I believe. I believe with everything in me that God is ready, willing, and able to speak to hearts and change lives tonight. Can you say amen to that? Now listen, what we need to do is come with open minds and hungry hearts. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 6. He said, blessed are they. How many of y'all want God's blessing? Anybody? Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So I'm asking you tonight to come with an open mind and a hungry heart, ready to receive what the Lord has for you. And I can tell you, when you come ready to receive it, God's ready to give it. And I'm so glad uh, that you've come ready tonight. Let's take your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. That's what we're going to be looking at tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we'll start there in just a moment in verse number 5. If you remember... Last week, we looked at the last part of 1 Corinthians 2 and the first four verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And Paul outlined for us there three different types of people. And he says there is the, those who are in the natural, those who are carnal, and then he talks about those who are spiritual. And so what I asked you to do last week and, I, and what I want to ask you to do tonight um, also is take an inventory of your life. Be honest with yourself. And realize what group that you are in. It's very important that we all do that. I don't know your heart and you don't know my heart. That's God's business and your business and my business. Only the Lord knows your heart. Only you truly know where you're at with him. But if you don't know where you are, you don't know where you need to be. And so you've got to be honest with what you found in Scripture, what we found in Scripture last time we were together. Let's look at that just a moment before we move on. It kind of sets the stage and lays the foundation for what we're going to be looking at tonight. Paul talked about, first of all, the natural man in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 in the 14th verse. Now listen how he put it. The natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. Why? Because the things of the Spirit of God are spiritually discerned. How many of you know it's impossible for those who are only in the natural to receive. Now that word receive is a very important, powerful word. The word receive there in the Greek actually means to appreciate or treasure. And so what Paul is saying is those who are only in the natural cannot truly appreciate or treasure spiritual things. Why? Because to appreciate and treasure spiritual things, you've got to be made alive by the Spirit. Can you say amen? You've got to be born again by the Spirit into the family of God. That's what Jesus was speaking about in John chapter number 3 when he was speaking to Nicodemus. He said, Nicodemus, if you're going to see the kingdom of God, if these things are going to become real to you and you're really going to be a part of what God's doing, well, you must be born of the Spirit. You must be born again. Amen? And so Paul says the same thing. He says the natural man cannot, will not, truly treasure and appreciate the things of the Spirit. The natural man cannot and will not grow in the Lord, grow in spiritual things until they're made alive to spiritual things. And that only happens by placing faith in Jesus. If you believe it, say amen to that. And so the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. They must be spiritually discerned. And the only way you can get spiritual discernment is to have God the Holy Spirit living in you. And so he talks about, first of all, the natural man. And that's one group of people that he mentions here. And then he goes on and he talks about the carnal man. And that's what we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Now, the carnal man in this context 
he's speaking of here is really carnal Christians. It's those who have been blood-bought, born again into the family of God. They've trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sin, but they're not allowing God the Holy Spirit to lead God and direct them. They're not being led by the Spirit. Uh, they're not, uh, listen, operating by the power of God. They're still operating uh, according to the desires and the nature of the old man, the flesh. And so he says, you're carnal. That's what carnal means, fleshly. You're operating according to what the old man wants instead of what the new man wants, the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. Instead of being led by the Spirit, filled by the Spirit, filled up and poured out in the lives of others, they're being led by the carnal, fleshly desires of the old man. And he gives us an outline of what that looks like. He first of all he says, it's because of your diet. He talks about how that he wanted to feed them milk, or excuse me, feed them meat, but they couldn't take the meat yet. They were still babes in Christ, still drinking the milk. He said, I want to give you something more. I want to take you deeper into the things of God. That's really what he's saying to them and to us. But I can't do that because you're still on the milk. You're still eating and drinking what babies eat and drink. He said, I want you to grow up in the Lord. I want you to be spiritually mature. It was because of their diet, but it was also evidenced by their division. He said, there's all kinds of divisions among you. Some say you're of Paul. Some say you're of Apollos. Some say you're of Peter. He said, are you not carnal being divided such as you are? And folks, I want to tell you something. If you want to see a carnal Christian in a carnal church, Look at the division in the body of Christ. When you see divisions, it speaks of carnality. How many of you know we are to be unified? And if we are not unified, one body with many members working according to one purpose, the purpose of the head, the Lord Jesus, if we're not doing that, then we can never truly fulfill the work God has saved us to fulfill. And so... He says, you're carnal because of your diet. It's evidenced by your divisions, but it's also evidenced by your direction. He said, you walk merely as men. There's no difference in your life as a carnal Christian than there is in the person who's still lost in their sin. Let me ask you something. And this is what we all need to ask ourselves. If you claim the name of Jesus, there ought to be a difference in your life. There ought to be a difference in how you treat people, how you speak to people. There ought to be a difference in what you do and a lost and dying world does. There ought to be a difference in the decisions and choices you make and what a lost and dying world makes. There ought to be a difference. And if there's not a difference then one of two things is wrong. Either you're still in the natural, you've not been made alive to spiritual things, or you are carnal, walking according to the desires of the flesh. And that's for me and you and everybody else. That's the truth he's given. And we've got to be honest, where are we? Are we in the natural crowd? I've got good news for you. If you are, we were all once in the natural crowd. It's only by the grace of God that I've been born again by the Spirit, made alive to spiritual things by the Spirit. It's only by the grace of God that happened for me. And the same grace of God that has saved me can and will save you if you'll trust in Jesus. If you're in, a part, in the natural, listen, there's hope. 
Jesus is our hope. And if you, are, you find yourself in the carnal crowd, and we've probably all, if we're honest, found ourselves in the carnal crowd as believers before, maybe right now. And if that's where you find yourself, I've got good news. There is hope. Jesus said, if you can, or excuse me, John says in the book of 1 John chapter number 1, verses 8 and 9, that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. The truth is, the same grace that saved you, child of God, is the same grace that keeps you day by day. And so if you see things in your life that look more carnal than spiritual, if you're making decisions like the world makes and living like the world lives, then confess that sin, repent of it, turn to the Lord and allow him to have his way and will in your life. Then he gives us another group. And this is the group that we all ought to be growing towards. Amen? This is the group we all are, ought to uh, aspire to. He talks about the spiritual crowd in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 12. And he says, this spiritual crowd is living in, walking by the power of the Spirit. The Spirit of God that was given to us at the time of conversion. How many of you know every single blood-bought, born-again believer in Jesus who's trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of their sin, at the moment you were saved, at the moment you went from being in the darkness to being in the light, at the moment you went from being dead in trespasses and sins to being made alive in Christ, at the moment you were born again into the family of God, your sins were forgiven, but you were also indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Now God the Holy Spirit lives in us. And because he lives in us, we can grow in spiritual things. And we should be. We should be not only indwelled by the Spirit, but controlled by the Spirit. The Spirit shouldn't only be a resident in our life, but president in our life. We should be filled up with the Spirit to the point that it spills out into every uh, relationship, every uh, sphere of our life that we're in, whether it be our marriage or with our kids or, or with brothers and sisters in Christ, at the church, at the workplace, at home, at the grocery store. The child of God who's full of the Spirit don't just survive in this world, but they thrive in this world. Walking by the power of God living in the power of the Holy Spirit, being used by the Lord to touch other people's lives. And that's what the Lord saved us for, isn't it? That's what we ought to be working towards. That's what we ought to be growing towards as blood-bought, born-again believers. So what crowd are you in? The natural, the carnal, or the spiritual? That's the question that Paul asks and we need to answer for ourselves. Let's take a close inventory. Let's see where we are so we can find out where we need to be. I'm telling you, Jesus is still changing hearts and changing lives. Amen? But we've got to see where we are. And then he goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 and verse number 5, and he begins giving two analogies about the church. Now, what I'm going to do tonight is just give you the first one. The first one is about a field. The second one is about a building. We'll talk about the field tonight and the building next week. Now, I realize and understand that we've got some bad weather coming our way, all right? 
I get that, and I know it's supposed to be here about 8.15, something like that. And so I'm going to get you out of here by 7.30, all right? So watch your watch. By 7.30, y'all let me know if I'm going over. We're going to stop, and we're going to get you out so you can get home and, and be home safe before the storms come in, all right? So listen fast, and I'll talk fast. Look what he says. First of all, he talks about the field. Let's just read verses 5 through verse number 9. Then I'll give you three points real quick and we'll be done. Look what happens. So he gave them his attention. Excuse me, I'm in Acts chapter 3 instead of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. In verse number 5. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. Can you say amen to that? Now watch what he tells us though. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. Ye are God's field. So the first analogy that he gives is a field. And he says, the church, the people of God, they're like a field. And now he's not the only one who says this. Jesus also said it. If you remember back in Matthew chapter number 9, verses 37 and 38, very popular verse. Jesus said, the fields are white with harvest, but the laborers are few. Do you remember that? And he actually told his disciples, those he was preaching to at that time, he says, you pray that the Lord of the harvest would send workers into the field. That's not the only place Jesus talked about a field. Matthew chapter 13, he gives us the great parable of the, the sowing uh, uh, and, and, the, and the reaping in the field, the parable of the sower. And he talks about how that we have to go out and sow seed, Right? And that seed represents the word of God. And then he says, when you sow that seed, what's going to happen is it's going to fall on different types of soil. It's going to fall on rocky soil, and some of it's going to fall on the path, and some of it's going to fall in good soil. Now, the seed represents the word of God, and the soil represents the, 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 the hearts of the people who are receiving the message. And so he says, sow the good seed of the word of God, and when it falls on different types of soil, then are different types of hearts, then it's going to have a different reaction according to what heart it hits. Amen? All that Jesus spoke about the field really lays the foundation for what Paul is saying right here. There's three things that I want you to see. First of all, there's a diversity of ministry in the field. Do you get that? How many of you know, I'm called to be me and you're called to be you. I'm called to be me full of Jesus and you're called to be you full of Jesus and my ministry is going to look different from yours and yours is going to look different from mine but it's me and you working together. I can do what you can't do and you can do what I can't do but guess what, together we can do great things. Listen, God has gifted you and God has called you for specific uh, for a specific reason to be put inside his body, his field, so that we might work for his glory. There's a diversity of ministry, and the Bible teaches that right there in verse number six. Look what he says. He says, it was uh, who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Listen, how many of you know it takes planting, it takes watering, 
It takes plowing and it takes somebody gathering in the increase that is given by God himself. But we're all called to work in some capacity. It don't have, your ministry don't have to look like mine and my ministry don't have to look like yours, but we all should be serving. We all should be working. Why? Because the focus, the emphasis that I see in verses five through nine, it's not really on the workers or the work, but it's on the increase. The increase is what matters. And the Bible says right here that it's who who gives the increase. It's God who gives the increase. The workers plow, the workers plant, the workers water, the workers gather the harvest. But how many of you know it's God who gives the increase? The focus is on the increase. Now whether you're talking about the spiritual garden or a physical garden, that's really what the focus is on, ain't it? I remember a few years ago, me and Brandy decided we were going to plant us a garden. We went out, got a Murray tiller, went out to the piece of ground that we were going to plant our garden in, and we tilled that sucker up, and we planted some tomatoes and some peppers and some butter beans and some squash. And I'm telling you, we got out there and worked in that sucker. And we got hot and sweaty, and we watered, and we fertilized, and we hoed. We did everything you're supposed to do in the garden. And we got some tomatoes, and that was really good. And we got some butter beans, and they were fantastic. And we got some peppers, and they were all, man, they were awesome. I love hot pepper. And, and then we got to the squash, and I planted two whole rows of squash and got three. Three. I'm not talking about three bushel. I'm not talking about three pound. I'm talking about three squash. That's all we got. You know what I thought? Man, it ain't worth it. It's not worth it to do all this planting and plowing and watering and hoeing and sweating that we've been doing for three squash. The focus, the emphasis is not on the work but on the increase. Same is true spiritually. I love what Warren Wiersbe says about this. Man, it made, made it so plain to me. He said, why should we um, ever focus on preachers or statistics? It's not about the work. It's about the increase. It's God who gives the increase, so let's keep our focus where it needs to be. There's going to be some preachers you like and some preachers you don't like. Right? Apollos was a completely different preacher than Paul. I think Paul was more of a teacher preacher and, Pro, and Apollos was a thunderous preacher. I mean, he really was. Paul, at one point, I think it was Brother Ben said this two weeks ago after, after Wednesday night Bible study, was talking about Paul and Apollos. And he said, you know, there was a time, and he's right, where Paul was preaching and a young boy fell out of the window because he fell asleep. Must have been a born message. He probably wasn't a real thunderous preacher. He didn't have the, the, the speaking ability that Apollos had. Now, what he did have was the power of the Holy Spirit. What he did have was a message that changes hearts and changes lives. What he did have was the faithfulness it took to go out and keep sharing that message that he continued to share throughout his whole life. And also what we, we see in that is he went down and healed the young man who fell out of the window. All accounts were that the young man had died and by the power of God he was raised back up. That's pretty cool. Paul was a great man of God. Apollos was a great man of God. Paul was a great preacher. Apollos was a great preacher, but they were diverse. They were different. They didn't speak the same. They didn't act the same. 
They didn't minister the same, but God used them both. There's diversity in ministry. Amen? If it's true for them, it's true for us. Now, not only do we need to see the diversity in ministry, but we need to see the unity in purpose. The unity and the purpose that they had. What was their purpose? Their purpose was to share this message of the glorious gospel. And that's got to be our purpose. Let me give you a statement. We don't have to be and don't need to be uniform in our person. But we must be unified in our purpose. Now what do I mean by that? Again, you don't have to be like me, praise God. If everybody's like me, the world will be a very boring place, I promise you. You don't have to be like me, and I don't have to be like you. I don't have to dress like you, and you don't have to dress like me. One of the things that always just absolutely um, got, got to me for a long time are these preachers that have dress codes. Come on, man. Do you know that the, one of the greatest men of God who ever lived was a man by the name of John the Baptist? According to Jesus, that's what the Bible says. Jesus says there's not a greater man been born of woman besides John the Baptist. Do you know that John the Baptist was a wild man who lived out in the desert and the Bible says that he wore camel's hair and ate wild locusts and honey? No, I think you ought to be presentable. I think you ought to have some humility and modesty in your dress. But these people who say you've got to dress a certain way to be what God wants you to be, that's hogwash. I never want to be like that. I'm never going to be like that. If I got to be like them to be like Jesus, I'm never going to be like them because I ain't got to be like them to be like Jesus. And you don't either. Be presentable. Dress with humility. Dress with modesty. But quit worrying about things that don't really matter. You know what really freed me up about that when I went to Haiti? Man, I got to Haiti on a mission trip. And when I got down there, I seen some brothers who were sure enough preaching the gospel. And they didn't have but one pair of clothes to their name. And I seen right quick, it wasn't about clothes, it was about the power of God. It wasn't about being like somebody else, it was about truly being like Jesus by allowing God the Holy Spirit to fill them up and pour them out. That's what it's about. Don't be worried about being unified in, in, in your person, looking, or excuse me, uniform in your person and looking just like somebody else looks or preaching just like somebody else preaches or talk just like somebody else talks or teaches just like somebody else teaches. Listen, you are not them. Be you full of Jesus and let God use you. Unified in purpose, not uniform in, per in person. But remember that, folks. Number three. There ought to be some humility in spirit. Paul says that they are together one in the Lord, verse number eight. Let's just read that. First Corinthians chapter three, verse number eight. Now he who plants and he who waters are what? One. They're unified in their purpose, right? They're one. They're together in this thing. 
And then he says this. He says, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. Ye are God's field. Ye are God's building. But he says, look, it's not about what Paul does. And it's not about what Apollos does. And it's not about what Peter does. It's about what Jesus does in Paul, in Apollos, in Peter. It's about God giving the increase and allowing us to be a part of the process through plowing, planting, watering, and gathering. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. So let's not get puffed up in who we are or in whose group we're in. That's what was happening here. So they were saying, hey, I'm, a, I'm with Paul. And some said, I'm with Apollos. And some said, well, I'm with Peter. And they get real puffed up about who they were and about the group they had. And it was hindering the work. Don't do that. Don't focus on the worker. Focus on the increase. And it's God who gives the increase. That's what we got to do. That's what we got to keep doing in every way. Let me give you some scripture to look up the rest of this week. I want you to know this, first of all, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 8. It matters not what man thinks of your work, but it matters much what God thinks of it. For all of us one day will stand before the Lord and give an account. Quit worrying about man's judgment of you. Quit it. Now, I'm not telling you you shouldn't want to have a good name in the community you serve. You should. I'm not telling you that you ought to want to, uh, listen, love people like Jesus loves people and treat people like Jesus loves people and treats people. We should do that. But don't let man's opinion of who you are and the work you're doing hinder you from doing the work God's called you to do. That's what I'm saying. Man's opinion matters very little. God's opinion matters a whole lot because we're all going to stand before him one day according to 1 Corinthians 3 and 8. We'll talk more about that next week. God wants increase in his field. What does increase look like? Well, it looks like producing fruit according to Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Look at that this week. What does increase look like other than producing fruit? It looks like holiness in the church, Romans 6, 22. What does increase look like in the body of Christ? It looks like a, a, an increase in giving according to Romans 15, 26. An increase in good works according in Colossians 1 and 10 and increase in praise to the Lord Hebrews 13 15 and, and it looks like an increase in souls one to Christ according to Romans 1 13 amen God wants increase in his church let's get busy in the field everybody stand together I got a praise report late came through his surgery great and um, he had another test this evening, an ang another angiogram done to figure out whether or not there were any other problems that they needed to address.